And we're continuing with our Greater Than series, and um, last week was really awesome. And uh, I believe today is going to tag on to that and help you with some things, okay? Uh, just before we have a word of prayer, I wanted to remind you something just said there. Deeper is this Thursday night. If you love this praise and worship, then uh, and you just like a little bit more, Thursday night's for you. We only do this once a month. So uh, this Thursday night, 7 o'clock, it's been awesome the past couple of months especially. It's kind of getting its footing and, and uh, we're really enjoying it. So we in, invite you to come and, and join with us. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this message if we can. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for uh, God, great things that you're doing again, Lord. Just, just uh, God, how you're ministering to people, Lord, how you're, you're helping people. God, just uh, so many, more than just get through, but God, how you're helping us, Lord, to, turning lives around. God, put, putting lives on, on sound footing again. Lord, and I just pray that today you would help someone else. I pray, God, again, dig into our spirits, Lord. Help us remember that this is not about me. It's not about us. God, this is about you. This is about your choice, about what you choose, about what you want. About, God, I just pray you help us see it. God, God dig into our, our selfishness, God. Dig into our individualism, Lord, I pray. And God, uh, d- destroy it. Put it down. And help us once again, God, seek you, seek your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agree with that prayer said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so a little review again. Uh, the first four sermons in this series, this was only going to be a, a three or four, really it's going to be a three-parter at first, but this is like going to be about six, uh, seven, maybe seven, six or seven. Uh, so for the first week was we have a message that is greater than Sunday. Amen? I mean, the message that we have, is it not bigger than a hour and 15 minutes come on okay so it needs to be shared more than this hour and 15 minutes okay so we need to be sharing that secondly god uh, say we god wants to take you to a greater than life john shared that message awesome message what whatever it is right now god's got something greater than that that he's dreaming for you it is amazing and nothing is greater than god what's greater than god nothing no thing is greater than god not a thing in the world Nothing that you're facing, nothing you'll face tomorrow is greater. And God's dream is greater than our dream. And we, we, we hear that and we kind of focus on the fact that, you know, the, we dream little and God dreams big, but there's more to it than that. Okay, I don't want to kind of bring that. We're going to refocus on that uh, again here at the very beginning of this message. Because this week's message is part two. Okay, I'm going to share part two with you uh, about that just a little bit. Last week we began Matthew chapter 6 and we talked about all these things, you know, the things that we are concerned about, things we worry about, things we pray about, things we need from God, need, 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 and worry, 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 and all of that. And, and Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, don't worry about this. He said, you know, and not really worry, but let's just go ahead and use the same word there. Don't worry about all these things, but worry about my kingdom. He said, don't worry about all that other stuff, worry about my kingdom. All that other stuff is going to take care of itself. What he's saying is, all of your needs that you have, all the stuff you're worried about, it's in the kingdom. It's already provided for. It's there. If you'll just get focused on the kingdom, you'll find the stuff you need because all that's there. So what he's saying is, if you're worrying, stop. You know, stop worrying. Some of you need to nudge the person next to you, don't you? Say, do you hear him? He told you to stop worrying. I didn't get any amens. Y'all can't say amen because they're sitting next to you right now, right? They'll nudge you back, right? But that's true. Some of you need to stop worrying. But all of us need to start being concerned about the kingdom of God. Because your stuff is not found in being concerned about your stuff. Your stuff is found in Him. 
It's already provided for. It is there. Just go for it. It's there. Go for it that way. Well, let me explain a little bit differently. Have you ever, ever known of a dysfunctional group of people? Like a dysfunctional team or a dysfunctional committee, a dysfunctional family? Anybody part of one? You're the only, you're the only normal one in the whole family, right? Everybody else is dysfunctional, right? Oh, hang on to that. Like dysfunctional committees. Or dysfunctional churches, dare we even say it, dysfunctional churches. And you know the thing about it is, it's just like you, you think you're the only normal one in the family. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're right, right? And in churches that are dysfunctional, I mean, and I've pastored some, I've even been part of the problem sometimes, okay? I just go ahead and confess this morning, all right? Is it, yeah, I've been there, I understand. And the thing about it is, we all think we're right and we're, because we're really chasing after God, we really want to find out. But the problem is, is we're, we're, we're coming to it from our own individual places. What well, Mark shared with us this past week at a small group about the individualism that God won't, yeah, we are individuals, but, but we're not supposed to be individualistic. Awesome word that he, he actually gave Watchman Nee credit for it, but, but, uh, as he expounded on that, it was an awesome word. Yes. And we're not supposed to be individualistic. Because everything that we have, everything that we do, everything that we are supposed to be, it's under this whole umbrella of his whole dream. Listen, God does not have seven billion dreams. There's a seven point something billion people in this world. God does not have, have seven billion dreams. He has a dream for the kingdom. And seven plus billion people fit into that dream. And you have to find out where you fit, how you fit into the dream. You know, it's not like God's got all these dreams. They all fit. They're amazing. And, and, the, and the dysfunction comes when we come at it, you know, with our separate individual attitudes and things. Like, you know, you ever heard that uh, example of, you know, what a dysfunctional committee looks like or the results? Of, like, you know what a horse would look like if a committee designed it? You ever seen that picture? This is, this is what a horse would look like if a committee designed it, you know? You know, I, I mean, is that an ugly creature or what? You know, I, I, I know, I know there's probably, I was, I was saying earlier, there's got I'm sure there's one camel in this whole world, one mommy camel that thinks that's a beautiful thing right there, you know? But I mean, that is an ugly, ugly creature. And, and that, but you know, that's, that's the whole thing is a camel, it, it, the camel is a horse designed by a committee, you know? Uh, th that's, that's what we get out of things when we bring our individualism. And no, no, listen, I, I know God created this and I know in the, uh, God, God also in his image, I know this is a beautiful creature, but you know, sometimes, I just look at God and say, God, what were you thinking? And you know, this is one of those like with this, you know, what were you thinking? And sometimes, you know, some of the things he takes me through, I'm like, God, what were you thinking? You know, could, did you really think I could handle this or whatever? So sometimes I don't understand God, but, but you know, what happens when, when we bring all of our ideas in together, man, it's a mess. That's the way committees are because, you know, we come from different backgrounds. Some white collar, some, you know, blue collar, you know, some, some, uh, uh, more educated and some, you know, less educated, some, you know, different genders, different generations. And we all come with all of our ideas and, and we've all worked our different jobs and we've all had different families and different traditions and all of that. And so then we come in and, and we basically start beating each other up. I mean, you ever been in one of those committees? Boy, I have. Start beating each other up over what, what we ought to do. You know, it's almost like we, we get, we pick up our decision like a big club and just beat each other over the head with it, you know, and, and kill everybody else in the committee. Because, you know, if you can kill everybody else in the committee, you know, not physically, but if you kill their spirit in that committee, you win. 
I mean, that's the way, that's the way things work a lot of times in groups is, is you kill everybody else's spirit. When everybody else quits fighting, the last one to be fighting normally is the one who wins. You take the vote, their vote gets through. Don't want to listen to them fight anymore. And it's dysfunctional. But you know, in our bodies, our, our physical bodies, you're made up of many, 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 many millions of cells. And every one of those cells, now there are some abnormal cells at times, and there's transitional cells and things, but pretty much every cell in your body has the same DNA. You know, when, when, when you were a, a fertilized egg and you got your DNA from your mom and dad and your specific DNA, you know, pieces here and pieces there, and you got that DNA, that DNA has been spread to every cell in your body. And that's the reason why one of your ears isn't up here and the other one down here. You know, it's because the DNA over here in this ear is the same as this. You ever notice that your ears are, you know, they might be a little higher, a little low. They always have to adjust my glasses, you know, guys, one of them's a little higher, whatever. You know, uh, you ever look, look at your hands. I mean, people have all different sizes and shapes of fingers, right? But look at yours. The DNA in every single cell that is the same is the reason that my, my, my index fingers and my middle fingers and my ring fingers, my pinkies, my thumb, why they're all virtually about the same. It's because it, t- it tells they're, they're, every cell is reaching back to the exact same DNA, the exact same data of information on how to be. That's why my legs are the same size, you know? And, and I know there are abnormalities, and, you know, and you, it might be off an eighth of an inch or something, but, you know, it's not, not off so much that I look like I'm stepping in a hole every time I walk or something, you know? Uh, I, it, my legs are the same. But, you know, I've got this right toe. Right to my big toe, okay, on my right foot. It's it's a little weird. It's a little different. Or I could say that y'all all have yours. They're a little weird and a little different. But mine's a little weird. Actually, what it is 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 my big toe is actually a big toe. I mean, a lot of y'all, your 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 big toe is actually shorter than the second toe, right? You know, I don't raise anybody raise your hands, but I know a lot of you, your second toe is big. My big toe is actually my big toe. It's longer than all the other toes. Okay, so it's a, it, it's a little weird, but there's one that is exactly like it. Guess where it's at? It's on this foot. You know why? Because of the DNA. And I know some of you got that same, you got that same toe like I've got, you know, but it's the same. It is the same because every cell in my body is reaching back to the same data information. Here's what happens in dysfunctional churches. We all come together and we've all got our ideas and attitudes about what ought to be. Here's what happens when a church is flowing. is people are not reaching back to their experiences and what they had in the past or what they know or what they've learned on their own, but everyone is reaching to the same data of information. Everyone is seeking the one central, one place where wisdom is, is absolute and, and wisdom is amazing and wisdom is perfect and wisdom is good. And everyone is, when everyone is seeking God and seeing, and you say, that'll never happen. I've actually had people say, you will never have unity in church. I've had people say, you'll never have unity in church. I rebuke that. I, I just rebuke that because I think you can have unity in church. I, I, Acts chapter two said they had unity. They had 120, 120 people in one room. They had unity. You know, how did they have unity? Because they were not, they were not a committee designing something. They were people who were seeking after God. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said, as long as you seek after your stuff and your stuff and your stuff and your stuff, it's going to be a mess. It's going to look like this. Church is going to look like this. 
Your family's going to look like this. Some of them may already look like this, all right? But when we start going back to the source of awesome, perfect, absolute wisdom, it all begins to fit. That's what Jesus was saying is quit seeking after your own thing. Quit looking internal and say, God, I gotta, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, and start seeking after, after my kingdom. He said, then when you seek after my kingdom, man, th- things are going to start flowing. There's going to be unity. There's going to be harmony. And it is going to be a beautiful thing. When everyone is seeking going after that. But what happens in life? You start having problems. Uh, all right, so let me take you to a scripture. 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 4. We're going to read the first seven verses right here and preach just a little bit uh, on, the, on this little widow lady, okay? The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. Okay, so she's a, a widow of one of the prophets. And they know exactly where they fit in the kingdom of God. He was a prophet. Okay, Elisha was, she came to Elisha and said, now Elisha, you know him because you were a teacher of the prophets. You were a prophet of the prophets. I mean, you the man, you know, you, you know about all them. And my husband is now dead and I'm his widow. And you know who he was. And she's still hanging on to that. And she says, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Okay, so let's look at this a minute. She's hanging on to that. She's had a problem arise in her life, but she's hanging on to who she is. Come on, somebody. You got to get this. You know, when, when troubles come into your life, the, the devil's trying to get your focus off of who you are in God. And the things that happen, and I, and I can't tell you, it's countless times that I have watched this happen in people's lives, in church, Christian people, that trouble, problems start happening in their lives, and they start focusing on the trouble, they start focusing on the problem, they start praying over the problem, they start praying over the trouble, and they focus on it, and they begin to grow internally. They begin to, 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 to look inside. They begin to start praying about this and this and this. And they forget that, that there's, there's a bigger dream here. Not seven billion dreams. There's one huge, awesome dream. And slowly, they start losing sight of the vision. They start losing connection with the overall dream. Until eventually, they are so internally focused, they are no longer connected, even to the church or to one another. But this woman, she didn't do that. I mean, in just a little while, you're going to see a great, you're going to see a great blessing happens in her life. If you don't know this story, if you do, try not to get ahead of me just yet, okay? But a great miracle is going to take place. And the, the beginning of the miracle starts right here. She knows who she is. And she does not lose sight of that. Her husband, who is the prophet, is dead. But she is still saying, wait, I am the widow of the prophet. Even though the husband is dead, she's still saying, I know who I am. I know how I fit. I know where we belong in this whole grand scheme of things. This is who I am. And let me tell you, I've I've even had people tell me that, well, as soon as I started chasing after God, that's when life started messing up. So I figured that, that that was the problem. And I stopped chasing after God so strong. The dream is not the problem. The dream is your solution. You better hang on to the dream because it's the only hope you've got. Do not lose sight of the dream because here's the problem. We had to borrow money when my husband was alive, and he was making payments. He was taking care of it because he was working. He's dead. I'm old. I can't work. My two sons are too young to work. But the creditor, he's coming. He's going to take my two sons and sell them into slavery to pay off the debt. And and, and, uh, over here it says that that she cried out to Elisha. I I studied that word best I could, that cried word there, to see exactly what it meant because it kind of sounds like maybe she was like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, really, it doesn't say that that's necessarily what it might have just been that she just cried out like Elisha was passing down by on the street. And she just said, hey, Elisha, I got a problem. 
I don't know which it is. You know, somewhere in the middle of that or one end of the spectrum or the other. I don't know. But I believe when God's Word does not tell us specifically something, it doesn't really matter. Oh, I like that. Because that, what that means is it connects to you and you and you and you and you and you. It doesn't matter if you're just calling out and saying, hey, I got a problem. Or if your life is about to fall apart and you're wailing, what in the world am I going to do? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter however you're crying out. But as far as I can tell, she's just saying, hey, Elisha, look, I need some help here, buddy. Doesn't necessarily say that she's crying. Doesn't see that, say that she has she has lost her mind and she's like worried. We're fretting all over everything. But she is that she has grown internalistically about her praying. But she is focusing and she says, "I need the problem is coming, but don't lose sight. Don't lose focus on the overall dream." Okay, we we gotta we gotta hurry on. So let's get to verse two. Uh, Elijah replied to her, "How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all." She said except a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing. At first she says, I don't have anything. Maybe if she was saying that, the thought came to her mind, except that small jar of olive oil. Now here's a good place to preach. If I had time to preach, because of what olive oil symbolizes. I mean, I could take this to a really spiritual aspect right here and say, she was saying, if we look at this spiritually, she was saying, I ain't got nothing left but the anointing of God. Mm. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. When you get down and you ain't got nothing left but the anointing of God, you still got everything you need. She said, I, I ain't got anything left except the anointing. I ain't got anything left except the power of God. I don't have anything left. And this anointing, this power of God is like the hope it, that even when I don't have something, it's the hope. It's kind of like, it's kind of like fuel that is yet to be lit. I don't have anything left except the promise or the hope of something that is coming. That's all I have left. I mean, I don't think she really saw all that that we can see now looking back and knowing what all it symbolizes. I think she was just like where you are in your life. I ain't got nothing but a little bit of olive oil left. I ain't got nothing but about $10 in my bank account. I mean, that's where she really was. That's all she was saying. But there's some deep stuff there. You need to preach it to yourself this week, okay? But let's get back to this for us today. I don't have anything left except some, some olive oil. She did not miss the fact that she had something. See, some of you, you start writing yourself off and writing everything else off and say, I don't have anything. I ain't got any hope. I don't have anything. She did not miss the fact that she had something. You have something. And we, let me tell you something about 2911. We believe around here that everybody has something awesome to do for Jesus Christ. He, he blessed you. He, when he created you in your mother's womb, he was dreaming of amazing things that you could do. And he was gifting you. He's putting gifts and abilities and talents and a personality inside of you that is like nobody else's. And sometimes we thank God for it and sometimes we wonder, right? But I mean, you know, that's really who God called you to be. And every one of us has something awesome to do for Jesus. And if you feel like you've got nothing else, you have the giftings still inside of you. If you don't have anything else, you've got that. So like this woman, little widow woman, you remember, you have something. And so, and boy, and I, and I really like this about the, the verse 3 here. Well, Elisha is just immediate. I don't know, man, if he is the smartest guy in the world or if God just speaking to him like that. She says, I, all I've got is a little bit of olive oil. Elisha jumps on that and says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. He says, go ask for empty jars. Of who? Your neighbors? I don't, I, I, I don't have anything except just a little bit of olive oil. Oh, she had a whole lot more than she realized. God has already provided everything she needed. She had neighbors, and her neighbors had pots. And if you don't know this story, just hang on with me here. All she needed was God, neighbors, and pots. <laughs> That's a three-point outline right there. We might preach that, right? And she had everything she needed. It was already there. 
But when she said, when she said this, and he said, now I, I go to your neighbors and borrow pots. She might have thought, well, what in the world does that have to do with paying off my debt? Right? She did not realize that what he was pointing out to her was the answer. Are you following me here? You, you don't see it yet. You don't know it, but God has already provided what you need. It's already there. It's already laid out. She had neighbors on both sides of her, up and down the street, maybe behind her. People, no doubt, that her husband, the prophet, had ministered to. People that's just connected. And they all had pots. They all had pots. He has provided everything, even though you don't see it yet. Okay? And, and like a church, God's provided, even though we don't see it yet. Let's go to verse 4 and four through 6. So they go out and borrow the pots. Okay, so the boys and she, her two boys and, and herself, they go out and they borrow the pots. And so then they come back, they got all the pots. And, and Elisha says, so go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. Okay, as he says this, you know, pour oil into all the jars. She's seen Elisha work miracles before. It may be that now the seed of faith, oh my goodness. You know, let me tell you something. That seed of faith is not going to germinate until you do something. Okay, you got to do something to, for, you got a seed of faith in there, but it is not going to germinate and start grow and start bubbling and start happening until you do something. You cannot sit and germinate faith. You got to do something. Now that she's done her part, now maybe she's beginning to see because he says, go put, and she, you know, I'm glad he said the rest of it. She might have thought he meant put, you know, put a, about a teaspoon of oil in all these pots, you know, but he said, no, go. He said, go and, and uh, put, put the oil in the jar as each is filled, put it to one side. So he says, fill all the, well, when he said that, she knew, okay, I'm about to see a miracle happen here. And so, so now faith is beginning to happen. So I'm about to see a miracle. Well, he, told, he knows I've just got a little bit of oil, but now he's telling me to fill all these pots with my oil. I'm about to see a miracle here. And so she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. And the sons brought the jars to her. They kept they would bring a jar. She'd fill it up. They'd bring another jar. She would pour in. They'd bring another jar. She'd pour in. And they kept doing it. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. How much more was there? How much more was there besides what she had right there? Was there more oil? Does God have more oil? Does God more ha have more resources? Can I ask you, how much more could God have done? Or maybe even better, how much more would God have done? Let me tell you where the, where, where, where the, the, uh, the limitation is on God. The limitation is not on His ability. The limitation is not on how many neighbors and how many pots you actually have out there in the community as well. You know where the limitation was? The limitation was on what she and her son sons had put themselves to do their effort and also their faith, how much they believed. Because they had to have an idea that now this, this, this prophet's up to something. And I can just see, I can just see as, as she's pouring this in and as they get to that last one and the oil stops, I can just see her thinking about five or six more neighbors that she could have gone to for a few more pots. Come on. And, and her thinking, oh, if he had just told me this is what he was going to do, I would have gone and I'd have gotten some more pots. Come on, somebody. Isn't that the way we are with God? But where is faith when God tells us, I'm going to do this, so you go do that? No, God doesn't do it that way. God says, you do what I tell you to do and then rely on me. Because you know what? I already know. I don't need to hear what he is going to do. I already know what he can do. I know that he can supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I already know that. And then look at these awesome stories that he gives us to just remind us of all that he can do. So we don't, we don't need the faith if he tells us all he's going to do. He says, do what I tell you to do. 
Step out there and do it. And then believe me to do something awesome. Because uh, all of us, I mean, if we'd been, all of us could have said, man, I, I borrow every pot in town if I'd known he was going to do this. That's where some of you are. You say, I, I just don't know what God's going to do yet. Don't worry about what he's going to do for you right now. You worry about what you're going to do for God. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, quit worrying about that and worry about me. He said, worry about my kingdom. And when you worry about my kingdom, then I can do great things. Because the limitation on God is not his ability. It is our faith in our effort. And until we do, the, the faith does not germinate. The miracles don't happen. How big is your vision? How big a vision do you have for your family? For your community? For your future? You know, most people, they've got dreams this big early in life. And as their life starts going by, their dreams get lower and lower and lower. Instead, what God wants to do is He wants to bring your life up to meet the dream instead of bringing the dream down to meet the life. How big is your vision? Let me tell you how big the vision is around here. For the last nine months, this church, 250 people, have been, has been looking at a building four times as big as this building. You know, what, you know what happened? I'm just saying, in case you're fairly new around here and you don't know details, I'll give you just a couple of details right here. Everything's done except rezoning. Everything's done. If that building were rezoned tomorrow, we could buy it. We were actually, re we would have closed on the building December 20th, 21st. It was, I'm not sure of the exact date, but it was the week before Christmas. We would have closed on that building. Everything was done. Financing was approved. It's in the budget. We can handle it. All those things. Everything was done. Uh, we just needed the zoning. So we're sitting here waiting on the zoning. No. We're not waiting on the zoning. We're not waiting on a, a group of men and ladies. We're not waiting on them. Oh, we're waiting on God. Nope. We're not waiting on God. I don't know exactly, but I'm seeking. I'm going to ask, what is it, God? And He's telling me a few things. He's been telling me a few things for several months. You know what? You know what we're waiting on? We're waiting on us. We've not gathered all the pots yet. We haven't put forth the effort yet. We haven't been to all the neighbors yet to say, I got a little oil. And let me tell you what God is doing through this little bit of oil in my life. We haven't been to all the neighbors yet. We haven't gotten all the pots yet. So it's time for us to Start getting to the neighbors. It's time. And, and I know some of you, I, I know some of you, you, you haven't been inviting people because he's looking around and said, man, uh, uh, kind of getting full here. Yeah, it's full. Let me tell you something. And those of you listening to the podcast today, let me tell you all something too. When y'all get back from vacation, we're going to have to have some space around here. You know, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but pastor, I pay attention to stuff like this. We've been growing through the summer and hearing 20, 30 people. I know, I mean, just about every week of this summer, there've been 30, 35, 40 people out on vacation or somewhere of our regulars, you know, and look, look at the crowd. We got people out. I, I, I know of two families that said one last trip to the beach this week, <laughs> two families, one last trip to the beach. this week. No problem with that. I, I, I'm not preaching. It's here's what I'm preaching. I'm saying when they all get back, like you were gone last week. Now you're back. When they all get back, we don't have room for them. So we got to do something. We're going to sit around and wait. Faith's not going to germinate while we sit around and wait. We got to do something. We got to gather some pots. We got to put forth some effort. We got to put forth some faith. So we're going to do something bold. 
Okay? That uh, doesn't mean we're going to move down and have church in the parking lot of IGA next week. I, I don't mean that bold, okay? But we, we're going to do something bold. Here's what we're going to do. The leadership has decided starting in September, we're going, we're going to add a third service. Some people are saying, that's crazy. Number of people you got, as small as that building, we got to do something. Because there's another 50, 60 people, 70 people, 80 people that we can fit in another, in another service in this building if we can. And say, well, we're waiting until, we, yeah, we can wait and then wait on them to just continue to destroy their lives and maybe some of them may even lose their lives before we get to them. We can't do that. We're taking a bold step. In September, we're beginning a third service. We're beginning a third service. And, and you know what? We're going to kill our staff. And we're going to kill our volunteers unless we have some more volunteers step up. Let me tell you, I, I'm, going to be very, I'm going to be very blunt and plain with you this morning, is that we need two or three more people in, in the parking lot ministry. Let me tell you, we don't park cars. That's not what we do. That, now, there might be out there saying, uh, yeah, there's a park. That's, that's not why they're out there. I mean, they're out there, they're out there to help you transition from the horrible week that you've been having to transition to this place of worship and praise. And all the way from the parking lot to the greeter at the front door and inside and then the hosts and hostesses until you get into this place and then the other teams. We, we need two out there. We need, we need three in the, in, uh, as greeters. We need, the care team needs, needs at least three more people before we go to this third service in September. The kids' ministry and nursery in the nursery and the kids' ministry and all the classes they've got. And they've got something awesome that they're putting together right now that they're going to be starting even before September happens. And if you've ever even thought about it, this is the time you need to jump on board because they've got something exciting they're going to do, something that you can do. They need about seven more people before that third service happens. They need about seven more people to jump in there. And, and some of them are teachers. You know, they need teachers if, you're, if you can teach. They need helpers. You know, they, they just need... Sometimes they just need somebody to sit in the middle of a bunch of kids and just hug them for a little while, you know, and try to keep them quiet or whatever while the lesson's going on. I mean, th there's something for a lot of people that are shocking. All. We, we need a couple of more people back in, in the booth. We, need, we still need some people up here. I know you look up here and say, man, it looks pretty full up there, and I see them changing up a little bit. We need two full teams. If we're going to be doing three services on a Sunday, we're we going to kill these people if we make them do it every, th every week. We've got to have more people. And, but here's, I want you to get the context of what I'm saying, though, okay? I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Because I want you to know this, I, I'm the only full-time staff person around here. Everybody else, anybody else that you know, is on staff, they're part-time. But I want you to know that they've already decided we're going to do this, three services. And if we don't get any more help, we're going to do this. We've decided, we've made the commitment. We've challenged ourselves, we're going to do it. Skippers, the leaders of our, our, of our teams, these, these uh, four teams that I've mentioned, and we've got other teams that also, they just don't do stuff on Sunday mornings, but we've got other teams. But these four, they said, we're committed to this, and we will do it with the volunteers that we've got. We're going to do this because we've got to do it. We've wrestled with this for months. We've got to do something, and this is our only option right now. This is the quickest, and we're, going to, we're jumping into this. We're going to do this in September. The context of this message is not... You need to get off your rear ends and do something. The context of this message is you need to be connected to this big, huge overall vision and dream if you want to see God bring to pass the dream He has for your life. I'm not trying to talk you into getting involved because we need help. We're going to do it. God, listen, we start the growth track this afternoon again, and uh, we've got 13 people coming to the growth track today. There's 13 more. I don't know where they're going to fit. They may, they, they may lead a small group or they may be involved in student ministry or missions or something like that. They may not be, they may not feel it. I'm saying God's going to send those people. But here's my thing. Here, here's what I'm saying to you as your pastor. I want your life to be fulfilled. 
I want you to know that it's all. I want the dream to start happening in your life. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen as long as you are just internally seeking, God, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? You've got to say, God, where do I belong in your kingdom? Oh, and it's an amazing thing when you find that place. It's a thing. And I blew it in the first service. I'm going to go ahead and blow it here too. I, my devotion is going to give to the staff this week. And our meeting is, I'm going to fire them this week. I'm going to tell them I don't want you to work anymore. We've kind of played with this a little bit, but I mean, I don't want you to work anymore. I want you, I want you to be fulfilled. That's what I'm telling you. I don't want, we don't want anybody to work at 2911. We want people to be fulfilled. You know, and when, when you work somewhere, you wake up and say, oh man, I don't want to go. But when you are fulfilled in something, you wake up and say, I get to go be involved in something that is amazing and awesome and people's lives are being changed and souls are being saved and families are coming back together. Miracles are happening. I get to be a part of that. That's what I want for you as your pastor. You are gifted to do something awesome for Jesus Christ. Every one of you. And I want to see that in you. Stand with me if you will. I got more of this to share with you next week. Not on this um, next step of vision and you guys got to work with that, that kind of thing. But hey, let me tell you, this, this Greater Than series, it started out as a series on commitment. And it's changed title. It's changed a little flavor, but it's still about commitment. <laughs> it's about commitment. Don't worry about your stuff. Commit to his stuff. All your stuff be okay. Verse 7. After that, she goes back and tells Elisha what has happened. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. She called out to him in the first place because she needed help paying the credit card bill. Okay, now I figured out some language you guys could understand, right? <laughs> she needed some help with the credit card payment because it was late. <laughs> they were coming to get an asset. She had two assets. They're more dear than anything else, her two sons. I don't know if she was just coming for, if she was saying, hey, i got to have help with this month's payment, or if she was saying, I need help paying this thing off. I don't know if she was asking for this month or for the whole thing. But can I tell you something? What she got was bigger than either. Because it paid off the debt, and it set her up for life. Pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. It gave her a pension for the rest of her life. She was looking to pay off a debt, and God set her up a pension. His dream is bigger than your dream. So quit praying and quit praying like that. Quit pray, quit seeking internally. Start seeking his dream. Man, I, we were singing that song a little while ago, and I was thinking about it in this context about when we were talking about no curse can assault his throne. You know, if you're, not part of, if you're not part of this thing, you know, you're saying, oh, yeah, he's got a big old throne up there. No, I, mean, I, was, a, you know, I was like a big old football fan. This is my team we're talking about. No curse can assault the throne that belongs to my team. There's nobody coming against my team, and this is an amazing thing. And he says, I, I, I tell, you, tell you this real quick if I can. You would be surprised, and I, and I don't mean this flippantly, and I know Satan may attack me over this. Hey, God's got that under control. You'd be surprised at how little I pray over my finances. Some of you spend so much time praying over your finances. Quit focusing. 
you're focusing on that Matthew 6 stuff that Jesus said, quit worrying about that and start worrying about my kingdom. And this will happen. You'll be, you'd be surprised at how little I pray over my finances. Now, I may have a big old huge problem this week. But you know why I don't have to worry about it? Because I've decided I'm part of this kingdom that owns it all already. And every need I have today or will ever have tomorrow is already provided for even if I don't see it. I don't see my next problem. I don't even see the solution to my next problem. But they don't matter because he's in charge. Focus on him. Focus on the dream. Focus on the kingdom. All this other stuff is in the kingdom. Bow with me.